0: Welcome, dear listeners. I'm Jonathan Carlin. And I'm Benjamin Carlin. And we invite you to join us through the Gryffindor, your one-way ticket to the enchanting world of Harry Potter. So grab your wands, dust off your broomsticks, and join us as we unlock the secrets behind Dumbledore's big plan. Yeah, very
1: exciting. So, um this this is this episode will be a little bit unique uh, compared to what you may have heard on the show so far
0: it's something of a of a transition episode if you will between book one and book two Chamber of Secrets, which chapter one will be coming out next week for that. The worst birthday. The
1: worst birthday. I know. So yes. exciting. Um, but yeah, one of the things that we, that we realized as we were going through um, the first installment is that, that you could probably take any one chapter from the entire saga, and there's at least a morsel that exists inside of that chapter that has contributed to a fan theory that we've created or crafted over the
0: years. Yeah, which is called Dumbledore's Big Plan. We've talked about it a few times in the main episodes here while we were going through Philosopher's Stone and as you know by this point, as we're reading through the chapters, we like to sort of touch on um, the various theories that we've come up with over the years concerning Harry and all of his adventures and yes. um, you know, it's fun. It's so fun like revisiting all like the little tiny like one offs because we've tackled the story from so many angles at this point, but like we noticed that um, because of the nature of it though that one in particular keeps coming up over and over and that's Dumbledore's big plan which um, if you don't know uh, is the idea that Dumbledore has been pulling the strings on Harry's life from the very beginning that like every little mystery you think Harry is solving every little challenge he comes up against is at least especially in the early years Actually being orchestrated by Dumbledore behind the scenes because the the idea is that like if Dumbledore is the only wizard that Voldemort ever feared and if he defeated Grindelwald and Voldemort has fallen but Dumbledore is certain that he'll return to power like he tells McGonagall that like in chapter one yep, like he'll come yep. he's going to come back. I think that much is certain and it's like well then then why didn't you do anything about it while he was powerless? Because like even his rumored location of like the Albanian forest or whatever is like tr- is like accurate. Like yeah, it yeah, is, that, it that is, is the rumored is, location yep. and it is where he is and Correct. it's like Dumbledore does nothing to go finish Voldemort off in this weakened state and it's like why not? And the answer is because Dumbledore alone knows the full prophecy because Professor Trelawney made it to him. And so Dumbledore knows it's not going to be him that finishes Voldemort off. So he knows that Harry is going to be the one who has to do it, which puts Dumbledore in a very interesting position as the only character who actually knows the fullness of of the prophecy like should he then meddle in harry's life and try and prepare him to take down Voldemort, or will meddling in harry's life like mess with the trajectory of destiny and like mess it up and like obviously we know he chooses to meddle the question is then how much does he meddle and the answer is a lot
1: yes and what's really interesting to me about this is that there's this this concept of for the greater good is something that we, we only really get introduced to uh, to us, the reader inside of like the, the main Harry Potter saga as of book, seven. Yeah, You know, it's it's really what you start to, to discover was the underlying mantra for the mission that was shared between Gellert Grindelwald and Albus Dumbledore as two young, powerful wizards who yeah. were attempting to, you know, it, at that point in time, the greater good was a, a rather flawed argument where they were essentially saying that because of our power, that grants us the right to rule and we will use that rule to achieve the greater good, which is, which is basically like Um, ascending wizard kind sort of above muggle kind, which will ultimately be better for everybody. For according the, to us. According to us, for, yes. for the greater good. So, very frequently, and this, this is something that I think has puzzled me for a very long time, just as a consumer myself, the greater good can be the mantra of many villains, because it's a way to make a villain in a story rather relatable. Is because, for some uh, reason or another, they think that whatever they're doing will genuinely make all of civilization better.
0: Right, like, some bad now greater good later
1: exactly right. exactly and i think that when when you take this message and you apply it to what we see dumbledore doing in the way that he's pulling the strings with harry he is once again operating very frequently on behalf of the overall greater good and i think as we embark on the the full explanation as you sort of like um peel back the layers of so many of his decisions book by book, you do start to see that at times there are going to be decisions that are are not good for everybody in the moment, but it is what Harry needs inside of this moment to help him be as prepared as possible to be the right person capable of taking down Voldemort. And I think through this lens, I mean, it's, it's, like anything, you know, it's it's maybe not excusable, um, but it's also more admirable than it is under the, the original premise. Well,
0: because the original premise, all of the greater good is being determined by he. Dumbledore and Grindelwald as what, what they interpret the greater good to be, whereas this time the greater good is more dictated by like a prophecy. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's
1: like, yeah, this, <laughs> this is something where it's like an outside actual magical force has basically determined what the, what the eventual outcome is. Right. And what Dumbledore needs to do is, is influence it such that Harry has a fighting chance. So right. um, as, you, as you go through the saga, and part of the reason we wanted to do this is because <coughs> Dumbledore's big plan is something that, you know, we're, we're going to find morsels inside of each chapter, inside of each book, and we want to make sure that we have explained the overarching concept as, as best we possibly can so that as we hit each of those story beats, you, the listener at home, are, are very up to date with, with what we're talking
0: Right, yeah. About. We don't want you to feel like left out of the loop, which is not to say that you know proving Dumbledore's big plan is the point of through the Gryffindor it certainly isn't but as we read it's difficult for us not to like point out little things that seem to make sense from like a Harry Potter theory crafting standpoint exactly And so we probably just will keep pointing them out whether or not you subscribe to it I mean I think it's true but yes
1: yes and so the, um, the next thing I would say is that yeah we will we will have um, some you know light spoilers for some of our, our thoughts and feelings on um, you know bits of the story that will take place as we enter you know all the way from from start to finish in the story so if you don't want to to hear those notes then then uh, like maybe maybe tune in next week yeah I mean know? if you're
0: already familiar with Dumbledore's big plan you probably don't need to listen to this particular episode if you don't want to but you know please 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 do anyway yes, yes um, indeed. Um, <laughs> but so what we're going to do today is kind of um, uh, hit the overall beats for the entire series for Dumbledore's Big Plan. And then since we just finished Philosopher's Stone, we're going to dive into some of the more like nitty-gritty um, examples inside of that book with the, uh, the tentative plan moving forward to be that after we finish any given book, we will take a, a deep dive into Dumbledore's Big Plan per the book we just finished. Exactly. I yes. love it. So love we'll it. have a transition week. Every time we finish a book. Exactly.
1: Yes. Yep. Yep. That is fully correct. Um, So anyway, without any further ado, would you like to kick us off?
0: All right. Yes, absolutely. So I was going back through and I was reading through all of our old uh, Dumbledore's big plan scripts. scripts, And it's so interesting, like how it um, morphs over time, because it's especially present in the very first book for uh, Philosopher's Stone, where it seems like Dumbledore um, has in, in each book he has like several goals it looks like he's set out for and along the way he has to constantly be like in a very reactionary role especially in books like two and three and then in like book four, book four um, you could almost call it Voldemort's big plan because it's real like Dumbledore has no idea what's going on in this one like he has yes. intentions for Harry but like Voldemort is so in motion in that one that it's like well, he, he is really like operating in the dark that time yes yes yeah. indeed yep absolutely um, but so Philosopher Stone the main things Dumbledore door is trying to do that he has been waiting for with Harry's return back to the Wizarding World is one he does not want Harry to get sorted into Slytherin house he wants to examine Harry's character and he wants to test his skills and bravery and he does all of these things in uh, a myriad of ways
1: yes yeah absolutely so kind of kicking off there with Harry not being sorted into Slytherin I suppose there's a a few different ways in which this this could be mildly influenced, uh, not the least of which is quite literally sending uh, Hagrid to be the one to collect Harry and sort of be the forerunner of the information that Harry is going to have. Because at this point in time, uh, I mean, you can make the argument that Dumbledore knows, but Dumbledore knows what Harry doesn't know, which is literally anything at all. Right. And this is, this is kind of a big deal because when you enter any new environment, You are highly impressionable um Based on the the first bits of information that you learn about
0: anything, right? So it's uh, and, and this is, I mean, the, Hagrid is the one. Even though it is Ron in the movies, in the books, it is Hagrid who says, "There's not a Witcher wizard who went mad that wasn't in Slytherin." And it's like he doesn't tell him, "Yes, Gryffindor is good. Yes, Ravenclaw is good. Yes, Hufflepuff is good." He's real, like, and I don't think don't, I think he wants Harry to end up in Gryffindor. Yeah, but like I don't think he would have cared if Harry ended up in Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. And it's not like being in Slytherin like makes you a bad person. It's just that Voldemort was in Slytherin and the other concern is that like uh, Harry might be some like dark wizard or something himself. Yes, which I don't think Dumbledore thinks but like he hasn't had much of a chance to examine Harry at all and I think the further he can keep him away from like Voldemort kind of influence in Slytherin the better.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. overall. So um, then we as we move forward because this is another one of those things where it's like by, by the time Harry gets in that chair, he really the, the sorting hat stool that is he, he has one key focus, which which is basically like just not Slytherin, not Slytherin, yeah. Um, but that's but before we get to there, we also have Harry running into none other than the
0: Weasleys. The Weasleys at uh, Kings Cross Station. Which if now there, there's an argument to be made that Harry running into the Weasley... like there, you always see. What always surprises me about that scene is Mrs. Weasley doesn't. She's asking, "Oh, what what platform is it? Like, what time does the train leave?" And it's like, you, like Mrs. Weasley doesn't know about platform nine and three quarters. Like, <laughs> yeah. are you kidding me? She here,
1: she has. She has. Yeah, this is. She's taking her sixth of sixth of seven children to school, and not to mention both her and Arthur went to school there. also went to school there. Yeah, it's and it, it's always nine and three and
0: quarters. It, yeah, first of all, it is always platform nine and three quarters. There aren't other platforms to even choose from and it is always at the same time and so like we um, we mapped it out. This is Molly's 17th trip to the platform for the boarding of the Hogwarts Express by the time Harry's there. So part of Dumbledore's big plan are that Molly and Arthur are sort of like his deputies because he has pre-identified the Weasleys as like the perfect family for Harry to sort of be like sequestered by almost immediately upon entering the Wizarding World. Yes. Because like the other thing is he doesn't send Hagrid. You know, back to be like, here's how you get on the platform. Like, this is clearly gonna be a confusing thing. And Dumbledore has sent someone to intercept him immediately and consider the children that will be attending Hogwarts from the Weasley family is one, Percy the prefect, who is just sort of like a good, like like I mean, Percy goes on to kind of suck, but like <laughs> but but at the moment he's just like a good, like an older student you can ask questions to. Yes. On top of that, Fred and George, arguably the most popular popular students in the whole school yes at the time and they certainly go on to be and then Ron who's going to be in Harry's year like he is immediately surrounded all of whom are in Gryffindor by the way yes so he's immediately got just like a very tentative touch point. Like um like a, a system of people he can talk to and interact with.
1: Yes, and and kind of interestingly because you might be wondering like, well, do we know that Dumbledore would have known Molly and Arthur Weasley? And and I think the answer to that question is yes because they do um become two of the like you know founding members of the Second Coming of the Order of the Phoenix. Right. Like they're they're in it from the very beginning, and really the primary reason why they weren't in it the first go round uh, is because they were raising young children um, and also. Uh, Molly's two brothers, Fabian and Gideon, yeah. were members of the Order of the Phoenix yes. and were both killed in action. Right. Um, so I think that from like an alignment standpoint, you know, like Molly would have been somebody who would have been rather tangentially related to people that he would have seen as allies the last time that Voldemort had, you know, kind of come to power.
0: Yes. Um, uh, so then on top of that, the Weasleys are also a pure blood family who don't like subscribe. Yeah, Yeah. who yeah are like, you know, blood traders, quote unquote, who don't like subscribe to any sort of pure blood superiority.
1: Blood traders, a.k.a. just good people.
0: Just good people, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So they are really the perfect family for Harry to suddenly end up with. And it is almost the only explanation for why Molly pretends not to know what platform they're going towards because she's not like, a forgetful person. Yeah. Otherwise, no, you know,
1: <laughs> she's she's very sharp. She can take down Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah,
0: so. and does. Yeah,
1: and does. And does.
0: So um, that is that's one thing is that when when Harry runs into the Weasleys at King's Cross that it, it feels like not an accident at all. Um, the next big thing that Dumbledore is trying to do this year is uh, check out Harry's a uh, character. And I'm sure we talked about this a lot in the chapter about the mirror of Erised, but that is his big go-to uh, move to see like, what is Harry truly like? What is his heart's desire? And everything about the way Harry even discovers the mirror, like suggests that Dumbledore had something to do with it. Like it's not just random chance. Harry comes across it. Like uh, the fact, like Harry finds it like, in an empty classroom during Christmas break when the other students aren't there and it happens to be out on the night uh, he's just received the invisibility cloak, which Dumbledore gave him, and yes. anticipates he will take out for a cruise. Which the note he,
1: literally says, "Use it well."
0: Use it says, "Use it well." And not only that, we know that Dumbledore is in the room watching him. Yes, like like because he says out loud, "Like back again, Harry," and he knows what Harry's seen. So it's like Dumbledore is there. Like he he super intends for Harry to find the mirror, and it's like the, you know, like. And, and if you're wondering, the other thing is that, like, the mirror is supposed to be, like, guarding the stone. So why isn't it down? Like, they've had the stone since Harry and Hagrid picked it up that day at Gringotts. Yes. So, like, why isn't the mirror down at the end of the obstacle course? Like, why is he taking so long? And it's, like, the reason is because he's waiting for this exact moment to see what Harry sees in the mirror.
1: Yes. Like, and, and it's over Christmas break when most students are gone. And I feel like the other thing that it really kind of does is demonstrates how Harry reflects both of the ideals of his parents yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways because I think like the being given his father's own invisibility cloak speaks to the character that like if given the opportunity to maybe do some light rule breaking mm-hmm. which I think is something that Dumbledore generally encourages uh, which will bring that up we, we brought that up already we will continue to bring it up as he continues to do so throughout the saga um, but then I think you also get a lot of like Lily's character in in what reflects back Harry like I mean she is just some like someone who loves and cares and you know has, it, like puts her family first she puts her child first and what does harry see inside of the mirror his, his heart's greatest desire is just his family his parents right. yeah um, so it's so exactly
0: what dumbledore is hoping he's gonna see and in fact he does so that's fantastic the other reason that it might not be at the end of the obstacle course is because to this point um as the theory would go dumbledore is observing who harry is becoming friends with and is intentionally tailoring the obstacle course to his friend's strengths.
1: Yes, so I mean, there that's thats one of the biggest things where it's like, there can almost be no mistake that, like, once you get down into you know, the, the chambers underneath the school I mean, for one, they've already proven themselves against the troll, which they end up not needing to face anyway, but, <coughs> so so that one's like an easy check. Harry has become Seeker, the youngest in a century, and there happens to be a seeking related challenge. Yep. We discover that Ron is uncannily good at wizard's chest, and yep. there's a giant wizard's chest board, and Hermione is highly logical and so she's able to take snape's challenge and ace it with with no trouble whatsoever like the i mean it could not be the case that each of the challenges and and the one that the one that i like to to harken back to that was more of like a uh through the gryffindor discovery is i like to think that the devil's snare as the first challenge was intended to be because dumbledore thought that neville might be with
0: them yeah i agree with you on that front um, that he thought maybe neville would be with them on this particular uh, journey which is why the devil's is there as it were the three of them just have to work together to get through it anyway which is which its is, own
1: kind of like meaningful like i think yeah. it, i think it ends up working out in the end and my, my suspicion is that from a writing standpoint having a group of four became a lot more complicated than a group of three and i would i would personally believe that th- that was the intent <laughs> Like, right. You know, and then it was like, this is going to be too complicated to keep up with yet another personality. Right.
0: But spirit, ne- Neville, so. uh, what did he do? He tried to stop him. 10 stop points. We yeah. Still get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we got and
1: this was the other thing, too, that, in, and I hadn't put it together because I hadn't looked at it through the lens in such a long period of time until our read through, but I, I I didn't think that Neville started to come through as a standout in herbology for at least another year. And it turns out that there actually is that line in that last chapter where even Neville aced herbology to make up for his poor potion score or whatever. Yeah. Um, which was kind of interesting because i was like no 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 from the very beginning like he was good Neville's with, good at herbology yeah this is this is this is his thing so yeah. um yeah so anyway i think that's that's the other you know really really big and telling aspect and yeah. then harry himself uh, i almost think like declares at least some concept of dumbledore's big plan where he basically says that like i think that dumbledore's thought that we deserved a chance to try if, right if we like he just to. He,
0: he like kind of says it yeah you know which is like pretty good confirmation and the other big confirmation I think that Dumbledore is pulling a lot of strings especially in the first book is all of the things that Dumbledore does not do yeah which and this is this is where it's like if the other things you think like maybe maybe uh, maybe you have sold me let me tell you when when you consider what Dumbledore doesn't do that to me is almost the bigger uh telling point specifically like um when quarrel is trying to buck harry off of the broom in the first quidditch match yes right okay yep. so like we know during this time that quarrel is there watching the match trying to jinx the broom and that he, Quirrell knows, Snape knows he's doing it. Yes. Right? So Snape is like actively muttering a counter curse to undo whatever Quirrell is doing in the moment, which is like baffling to me because the other thing you know about Snape is that Snape is loyal to Dumbledore to like the nth degree. Yes. And like even in the later books, Dumbledore says, keep an eye on Quirrell, won't you? Or whatever. Yes. So yeah, it's like, yeah. like Snape knows whose counter curse who's like whose curse he's countering? Yes, like and it's like Snape absolutely just tells Dumbledore like, "Hey, Quirrell tried to knock Harry off the broom." It's like Like, you know know that one of our professors
1: tried to kill kill one of our one of our students,
0: notably the most famous of our students. Remember when you told me to watch Quirrell? Guess what? That was a pretty good call, right? Like like Dumbledore, like there's no way Snape doesn't tell Dumbledore that Quirrell tried to kill harry like there's just there's no chance at all and yet dumbledore does nothing about it right because he doesn't care not that he doesn't care but because he wants the events that end up playing out to play out
1: yes exactly yeah and and i think that's i think in my mind and, and it's i mean it's hard to know exactly to what extent dumbledore would know this so it's some of it's just speculation but like in my mind i think that dumbledore is at least Somewhat aware that I don't know if he quite knows that like Voldemort is living on the back of Quirrell's head, but I think he, he's pretty aware of the fact that Quirrell is being influenced by Voldemort by Voldemort yeah. at this point in time. And so the obvious thing to do would just be to sack him. Yes. Just get him as far away from the school as possible. And if he's not doing that, it must mean that for some reason, Dumbledore, especially because he also ends up letting an 11-year-old barely trained Harry go up against him at the end of the year. It must be on some level that Dumbledore doesn't think he's quite a huge threat yet. Like, like he might know that this is like the mist like form that has returned that like maybe he's coming out of hiding. But like where we're at in the stage right now, I think Dumbledore is able to surmise enough to know that we're we're not quite at like, danger point right um, like, like there's not that much that Voldemort can truly do against Harry so far
0: right um, the other thing along the same lines as Snape or like clearly Dumbledore clearly knowing Quirrell is up to is um, on Halloween when the troll gets in there's two points here one is that Snape gets bitten by Fluffy on this night like he goes to head off Quirrell uh, who is let the troll in as a distraction so he can go try and see what's guarding the stone Snape heads him off meaning that Snape like and Snape is successful in heading him off because Snape gets bit by Fluffy right so it's like he, he absolutely again tells Dumbledore like hey guess what guess who was trying to get past the dog it was Quirrell again nothing is done on top of that uh like when from Harry and Ron's point of view and you the reader's point of view you don't know that Quirrell is good with trolls or anything like that right like until the very end of the book but if you're Dumbledore then the fact that a troll got let in and that you know that Quirrell is good with trolls because Quirrell gave you a troll to guard the stone like it's plain as day who let the troll in, yes yes you know? yes. <laughs>
1: it's like and it's like hold on let me check my notes really quick I'm pretty sure a, a troll came up recently okay we got devil's snare we got flying keys we got chessboard oh yeah we have a troll on the list that's weird
0: right especially you know, like who does Quirrell think he's kidding why is he like Quirrell is apparently great at defeating trolls. He's good with trolls, so he runs in all afraid of it. Like, Dumbledore should be like, aren't you supposed to be super good at this? I know, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What should have happened in real life is... Quirrell should have handled the troll with no issues whatsoever and then just gone up and whispered in Dumbledore's ear and been like, Hey, by the way, on the third floor there's a troll. There's I, a troll check it out. So someone, don't, don't right. worry about it, it's locked safely in a room. Nobody's gonna get hurt. Right. But like, you know, everything's fine. But right. no, but no. He's he's in there like freaking out. And and Dumbledore, of course, is like, I'm looking right through you. They're yeah, like, I
0: know exactly what's up right here. Yes, yes. Snape, <laughs> yeah.
1: Snape, hey that way. Yo. You know where to be, so right?
0: That. The other thing, and this is like, uh, so there's a couple more things here that are like, maybe Dumbledore is pulling the strings. Is that like, it ju- just so happens that on the very day Hagrid goes to pick up Harry, Dumbledore also instructs Hagrid to go to Gringotts and retrieve the stone. Yeah. Thus allowing harry to put two and two together later to figure out like hey wait a minute wait a minute didn't we get something special we get something special like harry is uniquely able to identify that like the vault like gringotts was attempted to be robbed and that the vault was emptied like the same day i mean it's convenient that the goblins phrase it that way but like it is because of dumbledore's specific instructions to Hagrid on that day that hare is able to connect the sorcerer's stone to the robbing at gringotts which is uh interesting and then too this is (coughs) what always like it's 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 innocuous when you read it which is makes it smart by dumbledore but uh, at the beginning of the year he just says that the third floor corridor on the left-hand side is out of bounds to anyone who does not wish to die a most gruesome death. And it's like, look, look. If you're trying to hide something, don't tell everyone exactly where it's hidden. And then if you're you gonna, know?
1: yeah. And then if you're gonna guard that door, make it more blocked than just simply a mora.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like if you, re- like if your real goal is to guard the stone, then you don't tell people not to go in the door. You just lock the door and make the door itself really hard to get through. Yeah. Like in year five, Umbridge. Like is able to magically seal her door against the lohomora, and that's umbridge. Okay, like she's not great. Dumbledore can a thousand percent make this door unopenable to students. Yes, right. Like, and and then just not tell them. Because then what it's not like people are going to accidentally wander through a magically sealed locked door because they can't right. They won't be able to and then
1: and then there's the stone itself, which is what all of this stuff is guarding and there's a couple of different thoughts here, which is that like by the end of the story, they destroy the stone anyway, which is like which kind of makes me think that it's just like a lure that's been used the entire time just to entice Voldemort out of hiding. Right. Because it's sort of like, hey, we've got this magical object. It appears to, you know, like it's making headlines. It's blah, blah, blah. But the other thing that's kind of interesting about it that is just simply the fact that I think Nicholas Flamel is 665 years old and it is kind of interesting that like this so happens to be the year that he is willing to like part with the most important magical creation that he's ever like that his, uh, his entire life, his 665 year long life revolves around the creation of this one particular alchemical like right thing. There is one of them as far as we know, hard stop. Um, Right. And And
0: it's not like he, you know, it seems like, He's already, it's not like Dumbledore has any much, like, has to, like, talk him into it. It just seems like Flamel's like, you know what? It's fine. Like, you know, yeah, like. I,
1: I like to think that, yeah, Flamel was basically like, I, I'm, I'm ready.
0: Yeah. Like, he, I think he was ready before it was almost stolen. Yes. And, like, to that end, even to that end, it's, like, when you watch Fantastic Beasts, like, Flamel's keeping the stone at his house. And already, he's not even keeping the stone with him anymore. Sure. You know? Like, it's already been removed from his person. If he needs elixir of life on the fly, not going to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, he's already got to go all the way to Gringotts to get the stone. Like, it's, it's like, he, he it, it, they could have destroyed it. Im- that's the thing they could have destroyed it immediately. Yes. They didn't need to guard it. They could always have just destroyed it. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's rather fitting as well too because it would bookend so tremendously nicely because so much of the themes of this story have to do and revolve with the concept of death. And like accepting and, it. And accepting death. And so for, for it to be the case that the one mortal person who genuinely achieved some version of immortality basically closes out the first installment of the story by accepting his own you know fate right it's it's like i mean it fits with the themes of the overall narrative so well it is so contrary to what voldemort himself exists and lives for which is immortality right um so (laughs) it's it it all it all fits together just like like so 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 perfectly so i don't think that that dumbledore had to have a difficult conversation with flamel after harry successfully retrieved the stone from the mirror at the end of the story i think at that point in time flamel had already more than accepted like Okay. yeah, I am. It
0: feels to me like Dumbledore and Flamel had a conversation earlier in life. And and Flamel was like, I think I'm ready to destroy the stone. Like, it's just, you know, I'm ready for the next thing. And Dumbledore was like, well, if you're going to destroy it, I've got this project I'm working on. I've got a thing. I've got a thing. thing. (laughs) It can be useful. Hold on. Let me give me one more year. Yeah, I have an idea.
1: So that's that's that is book one kind of in a nutshell And book one yeah. has a lot going on because there's there's a lot of setup there's a lot of like like you know leading us into into everything but from there i think we can transition a little bit into uh dumbledore has one there's one massive discovery and one key decision that he makes in chamber of secrets right um and one of them has to do with the what will eventually be the discovery to the downfall of Lord Voldemort, which actually comes thanks to information from Harry. Um, and the other has to do with helping protect Harry from who he could become.
0: Yes, exactly. So we're not going to be as like nitty-gritty with the rest of the books here, but we do want to give you like a brief, like, here's what's happening. So when we when we bring it up later on when we're reading Chamber or Prisoner or whatever, you can kind of be like on the lookout. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the big one in Chamber of Secrets, Dumbledore is acting in a much more reactionary role in this one because it's not like he's planning for the Chamber of Secrets to be opened and for the Basilisk to be on the loose. He has to deal with that on the fly. Yes. Yeah, and but... Oh, go ahead. No, I
1: was just going to say that's that's when we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the greater good and a little bit of the sacrificing the well-being of others in the name of, of saving people. I don't think that Dumbledore includes setting a Basilisk on the school on that list. Yeah, no. So he's not doing that on purpose. No,
0: he's not doing that on purpose, but something he is willing to sacrifice in the name of the Gator greater good is uh every other student's defense against the dark arts education that year because the main lesson he seems to be setting out to teach harry this year is what not to become and the way he does that is by hiring gilderoy lockhart just a complete buffoon to teach the students really nothing the whole year
1: yes so the the thing about lockhart especially as he's first introduced to us is in and i mean part of the the eventual twist is that he's just kind of inept he is not the character of his stories he is completely fabricated everything um but i mean he he's otherwise just a moron and there's i mean the rest of the teachers seem to know it Clear as day. Yeah. Like, nobody, nobody, like, none of the teachers are being fooled because they're all talented witches and wizards. Yeah. They know what they're doing and they know he doesn't. Right. Um, I mean,
0: even at the end, when they reveal that, like, you know, Block- Lockhart erased his own memory, Dumbledore says, Ah, oh, impaled upon your own soul, Gilderoy. And it's like, yeah, you knew the whole time. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, like, why did you hire him?
1: What are you doing? Right. And the reason why he hired him <coughs> is because Harry is basically fresh into the wizarding world. He's just learned the first little tidbits about who he actually is. He was drafted as the first ever or uh, the youngest Quidditch player in a century where he then went on to be excellent in every game he was capable of playing. He was able to uh, not yeah. only defeat Voldemort, but lead Gryffindor to their first house cup in seven years.
0: Yeah. Minimum. Right. Like he's all, I mean, he walks into the wizarding world already famous for having defeated Voldemort and exits Hogwarts year one, having done it again.
1: Yeah. He's basically a hero. Right. And, And so what you have to be cautious of at this point in time is kind of the influence that you may have seen on characters like uh, Draco Malfoy or Dudley Dursley, which is that like if everybody in your life tells you that you're the most special thing that ever lived, walked, breathed, then you might start to think you so yourself. You might start to
0: act that way. You might start acting like Lockhart. You yeah. might like start getting a very big hag about yourself and just thinking you're great because everyone says you're great. And guess what? no one's gonna have any re- like as far as Dumbledore knows, there's not gonna be an attack by Voldemort this year. The Chamber's not gonna get opened. Right. You know, Harry's just gonna walk in as basically the most popular kid in school. Who Who's also super famous? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So he's trying to head that off by showing Harry the dangers of fame and the ways in which not to become at the cost of everyone else's education for a year for a year yeah Yeah,
1: that's exactly it so basically Harry can see Lockhart and basically see that this is somebody who I do not want to model my own behavior after Um, but either which way it doesn't end up being the most popular year for Harry because half of the school the whole school rather discovers that he's in fact a parcel mouth and capable of speaking to snakes and when there is blood being written on the wall saying like enemy of the air beware um it's not a good look
0: no (laughs) it is not a good look at all i will say that this is maybe a good as we're talking about lockhart this might be a really good time to remind you guys that we have just launched a uh, brand new product um that i would be excited to tell you about right now it is over at wizardingcandles.com but Ben and i have launched uh yeah basically we've We've been coming up with this for like the past several months and I'm so excited it's finally launching. But it is our Wizard Candle Club and the way it is going to work is that every single month we will have a brand new scent. And if you head over to wizardandcandles.com you can like sign up for a year-long subscription and each month you'll get a brand new mystery magically inspired scent. The first one is called Pretty obvious. And it <laughs> smells like lilac. And I mean, it smells so good. We were burning it in the office earlier. And God, I just, I, last last week, I was still recovering from COVID. And they finally had the candles, and I could not smell them at all. I know the worst. I know. The worst. And I walked into the office this week. It was like, what's that smell? I was like, oh, it's the candles. That's so good. Is so just totally glorious? It uh, is. It is. Yeah. Uh, so.
1: Gilderoyous.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Gildor. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I was like, there's a pun in. There There's a plodded there. <laughs> uh, so uh, th- that's the first candle that is available uh, now. And what makes the candles extra fun is that as they burn down, when you get to the bottom, after all the uh, wax is gone, you can collect an exclusive little silver charm out of the bottom of each of them. They're so uh, fun. And so you can collect all 12 by the end of the year. And uh, those are also just for what you can like wonder, what's it going to be? So um, if you want to check those out, go do it the first one is called pretty obvious it smells like lilacs it smells amazing and there's a fun charm inside
1: yeah. wizard and candles.com all right uh definitely go and scope it out yeah.
0: yeah um but yeah so as we as we kind of close out chamber
1: of secrets the other really big discovery happens and this is this is less dumbledore's big plan but just kind of essential to the overall narrative which is the discovery of tom riddle's diary which tells mm-hmm. dumbledore the vital piece of information that what uh, Tom Riddle has clearly done in life in order to protect him from death is the creation of small trophies um, that he is able to store bits of his soul inside of, yes. and it indicates that there could like that this could be the pathway to his ultimate destruction.
0: Yes. The other thing Dumbledore personally learns in this one though, in that in that Voldemort has created Horcruxes, is that Harry himself is a Horcrux, which is a is a new problem Dumbledore is going to have to solve because. It means that Dumbledore, at this point, has realized that Harry is going to have to die in order for Voldemort to be defeated. Yes, and he's sort. Of, this is like one of those greater good moments where he's like, "I that Harry is the only one who can defeat him, and now it is also going to involve him dying." So that is like, "What do I do?" Like at this point, like he doesn't have a way out yet. He just sort of has to trust that the more good he puts out like a solution will present itself, which it eventually does. But like between specifically books two and three, like there's that sentiment from Snape. That's like, you've been raising him as a pig for slaughter. And it's like from books two to three, like to, to the end of four, even that's, that is sort of what's happening.
1: Yes. Yeah. So this, that's, it's a really big one, but it also makes for one of the most impactful and important sentences uh, of the entire series happens towards the ends of uh, towards the end of *Goblet of Fire*.
0: Yeah, but we'll get to that in a second. Because yeah, next, yeah. let's talk about *Prisoner of Azkaban* and sort of the big themes to be on the lookout in there. Through the
1: Gryffindor is sponsored by a Better Help. Let me tell you what I wish I had more time. Between time for family, work, exercise, and household responsibility, life keeps me so busy, so much so that part of my own problem is that even when I do find a window of time to do something just for me. I'm not even sure what I want it to be, like read a book, take a nap, contemplate the turnings of the world, it's strange but at some point in time I may have lost the thread on what I actually want to do with my own time. And that's where therapy can really truly help, it's one of the primary topics I bring up in my own sessions. How do I recognize my own genuine passions versus what I think the world, family, or social media might want me to do? Finding breakthroughs in this department has been massive, it means my downtime is actually refilling my my cup compared to being worn out attempting to keep up in the rat race of life if you're ever finding yourself grappling with something similar consider therapy with better help it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help visit betterhelp.com slash griffindore today to get 10 percent off your first month that's BetterHelp, help com slash griffindore Through the Gryffindor is supported by Rosetta Stone. As much as I love getting lost in a fictional world, I also love traveling abroad and getting lost out in the real world, and by getting lost I of course mean finding adventure. And just like mastering the intricate spells of the wizarding world, learning a new language can be an adventure all on its own. With Rosetta Stone's innovative language learning programs, you can unlock the secrets of communication from the comfort of your own common room. And Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. I think where I personally always struggled in school trying to learn a new language is the classes were long, and my attention simply would drift. But Rosetta Stone provides lessons as short as 10 minutes. You could even do it during your morning commute, making it perfect for any attention span. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Through the Gryffindor listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at
0: rosettastone.com slash today, today. Through the Gryffindor is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. Okay, so are you guys like me, like where you watch the Avengers? You're like, wow, Nick Fury has no idea how to assemble a team. I would make so many changes. Well, with Marvel Strike Force, you can do just that. Because this game is all about engaging in epic battles, strategically assembling your team of heroes and villains to stop the evil Ultimus. But it is really not just about the battles. I mean, Marvel Strike Force offers an immersive storyline, stunning graphics, and a vast roster of characters to collect an upgrade from Spider-Man to Captain America, Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom to Black Panther. The entire Marvel Universe is yours to explore. So seriously, it doesn't even matter if you're a hardcore Marvel fan or not, or whether you're just looking for like an action-packed RPG experience. Download Marvel Strike Force now on the App Store or Google Play Store and join millions of players worldwide and unleash the power of the Marvel Universe on your mobile device. Plus, this is kind of the cool thing and maybe why you want to do it like right now is because because the Deadpool anniversary event is going on right now so there's like weekly events and bonuses and if you complete each event you receive special awards and skins and all that fun cool cosmetic upgrade stuff and and we have a unique promo code for every new user so please follow the link in our description that's how they know you came from us and use the promo code Maxpool. and once again thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode um so the thing about this book which you have to realize going in is that whilst this is a theory about Dumbledore sort of pulling the strings and knowing everything he d- he still doesn't know everything. So uh when you think about Dumbledore's big plan going into prisoner 1 you have to remember that Dumbledore does believe Sirius was the Potter secret keeper. So he does think Sirius broke out to kill Harry. He does not he does not magically know that Sirius is innocent. Right. And two uh, he also did not know that the marauders were animagus, but he does know that Lupin is a werewolf. Yes. Yes, yes. indeed. So
1: um, and so as that. as we sort of uh, step into this one, one of the really big things is going to be the hiring of Remus Lupin yep. um, and also the teaching of Harry um, how to do a Patronus, and what is his greatest fear.
0: Yeah, so those are sort of the big themes here because Dumbledore, like, when Voldemort does come back, I think the literal very first thing he tells Fudge to do is, like, you have got to, like... Take over Azkaban from the Dementors. We cannot ally ourselves with them. Bad news, Dementors. Like yes. he has identified way ahead of time that like the moment Voldemort comes back, he's going to get the Dementors, and that's going to be a big problem. If if not the biggest problem. Yes. Like possibly worse than the Death Eaters, who will then also escape if they're gone. But like he he knows that they are a big deal, so he's like, "All right, Harry, let's uh let's go ahead and teach you something about Dementors because inevitably." they're going to play a role.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Because that's, that's like one of those things is that like the Patronus charm in general is one of Harry's most iconic and famous spells. Yeah. Like second only to Expelliarmus, if, if it even is second to Expelliarmus as his most iconic spell. Because um, it is the one that I think demonstrates his prowess the most. Yeah. Is, is it seems like <clears throat> like anybody who knows that he can make a corporeal Patronus is impressed yeah. with, with what he's capable I
0: mean, it's, it's more of his signature spell like he learns Expelliarmus in Chamber of Secrets, but then like he doesn't put it to like tremendous use until Goblet of Fire. But sure. in the meantime, the Patronus charm is like his his big spell yes. that he learns how to do first. Yes, even if Expelliarmus goes on to become more of his signature spell, um, in the future. But like what it um, like, not that it works out that someone breaks out of Azkaban. Um, but it does work out in that like I think. Dumbledore always intended for the Bogart lesson to happen so that he could learn Harry's greatest fear yes. so that he could be armed for Dementors as it were Harry just you know fortunately quote unquote runs into a Dementor on the way to school that year. Right. Yeah. So, it, it, which, which, but I think Harry's greatest fear, would I think it would have manifested as a dementor either way.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, Cause I think that that sort of goes back to that. It's, it's actually a film line and not a book line, but it's the, this suggests the thing you fear the most is fear itself yeah um which we've we've gone pretty deep into that particular topic as well in a, in a video but um it's pretty interesting but the, oh the other thing i was going to say about the patronus in general though is it's kind of a niche spell yeah uh, like aside from being used to attack Dementors, which obviously dumbledore knows the exact application this will eventually be useful for harry for uh when voldemort takes the Dementors on his side um but learning that spell as soon as possible yeah, deeply, vitally important.
0: At vitally important. So I think Dumbledore always intended Harry to learn um, about the Patronus charm this year, and I think the hiring of Lupin in particular is also no accident as it comes to Harry because um, Lupin is someone who is like the he's he's going to teach him about Patronuses, which. Um, he's like extremely pure of heart despite being an outcast person himself yes so it's like the the abil- it's also sort of teaching Harry about like the the power of like a good soul right yeah
1: yep yep absolutely um, and then speaking of souls I think the the value like that that any one person has on the soul on a soul or even just the value of overall innocence Um are things that I think end up being just very, very, very crucial themes. Again, as we kind of trudge forward, um, we see it uh, like with the links that Dumbledore goes to in order to arrange Snape's killing of himself rather than Draco, literally in the name of protecting the sanctity and purity of Draco's soul. So he doesn't have to sever his own just to save his own family which is basically what draco ends up being
0: yeah and e- and even asking snape to do it snape's like well what about my soul and dumbledore's response is like if you think helping out an old if you think you know you know fulfilling the dying request of a friend will split your soul you know that's up to you to decide but oh, right, it's like right. dumbledore doesn't think that snape's soul will be split because he's not murdering him he's like mercy killing him exactly. on his, at his request basically. at his request yeah
1: so there's 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 much more involved with it and snape can be entitled to that information in a way that draco can't be trusted with right um yeah which is the one thing and then the other on the flip end of that i think that at this point in time again we're on right on the heels of dumbledore discovering that uh the diary and with the diary is the realization that voldemort has clearly made not just one Horcrux, but potentially more Horcruxes. At least
0: two, if he has the diary and Harry. Yes. yes. And
1: and so the other thing that that, dump, that Harry's going to learn a lot of um, in this year is, is again, the, the importance of and, and the wholeness of a soul, um, which is in, in steep contrast to Voldemort, who willingly ripped his own right, yes. into unrecognizable shreds. Yeah,
0: and more of that comes back into play then in uh, Book 7 as well, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But moving on, then we have Year 4, where uh, again, Dumbledore is way more in the dark in this one. You can see maybe what he was setting out to do, but almost right away, none of his plans are working out this year the way the way he wanted to. But the the big thing he wants Harry to learn this year is just like um, uh, unity, more or less, not um, uh, amongst um, wizards of all kinds and backgrounds, and then all. Uh, and, and just basically the power of unity amongst wizards, I think. Yeah,
1: because so. we, we see it a couple of different ways. I mean, the first and foremost, there's the going to the Quidditch World Cup. Right. Which is going to be exposing Harry not just to wizards of, you know, like Great Britain and Ireland, but like much, much, much further beyond those reaches. Right. And kind of demonstrating that there is a huge wizarding population in lots of parts of the world.
0: Right. Um, All of whom could be at threat. To Voldemort, exactly right. It's not just it's not just like Hogwarts and you, Harry. That's you know potentially at stake. Like this is everything. This yeah. is everyone. Yes, you know. So you get to see that um, and see yeah, just what what wizard culture looks like up close. And the theory, the the way in which Dumbledore is manipulating this is the theory goes that because. Dumbledore is planning the Triwizard Tournament with Ludo Bagman and yeah. like Barty Crouch of the Ministry or whatever, that like he is the one who persuades Ludo Bagman to give Arthur the tickets to the top box where uh, they are then also able to invite Harry to come to the Quidditch World Cup because it is vital for Harry to simply experience and witness the, um, the togetherness of cultures at the World Cup
1: yeah and, and I mean when it when it comes to asking Harry to eventually die on behalf of all of these people mm. being able to go and see those people you know in in such a joyous occasion yeah is is something that I think is really really helpful in kind of constructing for Harry you know this this you know I don't want to call it like his 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 sense of responsibility, but who he's fighting for, right? Exactly, you know, is, is I think a huge part of it. And then beyond that, we also know that it's not just the Quidditch World Cup that he's going to get exposure to this year. It's also, again, what you said already, the Triwizard Tournament, right? Which is something that they've brought back from you know like the dark days, basically. Like this, this is something where they got rid of it because too it, many people were dying, right? And Dumbledore's um, like, "Let's
0: bring it back. We'll do yes. it at Hogwarts. It's fine."
1: Um, where of course Hermione Hermione I think understands it the best which is that right. like this is this is an opportunity for us to get to know and to like you know understand and make friendships with people from all over the world which she embraces very fully like i think she sees that it's not just about the competition and glory oh she and,
0: absolutely understands it in a way that the other two or ron and harry don't are, are missing off it, the game yeah. but like if you think about what dumbledore was hoping for because like again Dumbledore is not planning on Harry's name ending up in the Goblet of Fire. He doesn't he doesn't go into the year thinking yes I want Harry to play in the Triwizard tournament. He wants Harry to observe the Triwizard tournament and get to know wizards from other places and get new points of view. Yes. First and foremost. But the other the other thing that would have happened without Voldemort's Um, interfering is that Cedric would have been named school champion and everyone at Hogwarts would have been united in supporting Cedric which is really really the lesson I think Dumbledore wanted is that specifically Gryffindors and Slytherins would have had a shared thing they were rooting to for, come together for. to come together for instead this blows up in his face a big time because harry ends up in the tribe tournament and the houses are like divided more than ever so yep. really backfires on him but that that you can imagine is is his plan going in that the whole school will have to be united because the at the "Quote unquote," enemy will be the other two schools, yes. not the houses. For once,
1: yes, and but the other and the reason that it goes wrong mm-hmm. is because of the other big decision that I think you know that that Dumbledore was attempting to do this year that might make up for uh you know his his year two schooling which is Professor Lockhart being there for that period of time which by the way d- going back to that just really quickly those poor students in fifth year who were going into their OWLS oh, they just got terrible education terrible that sucks so bad but anyway so he he's attempting to make up for in some capacity by bringing like the polar opposite uh, for the defense against the dark arts position, which is going to be Alistair Moody. Yeah. Um, However, the thing he is not privy to not part of Dumbledore's big plan is that uh, Voldemort got there first.
0: Voldemort gets there first and replaces Moody with an imposter. Yes. Who then it's like this is one of those weird things, but it's like the um, Moody's classes, despite it being Barty Crouch Jr., end up still being super popular even though he's performing like on un- like the Imperio curse. Imperious curse. Imperious yeah. curse on the students. And it's like if you think like, does Dumbledore... Is he okay with it? And it's like, yeah, well, he must be okay because it's like the moment Moody's classes start, like it is the buzz of the whole school. Like yes. everyone knows what's happening in there and he doesn't stop it. And it's like, what, think about what that means. It's like Dumbledore is okay with the students being put under the Imperius curse. And it's like, why? Because he knows that Harry's gonna have to come up against it. He's going to have to like recognize when people are underneath it. And indeed he does because like eventually he see, he's able to recognize one that stan shunpike is under the imperius curse and doesn't kill him which is good yeah um even though he has this weird fixation on stan but that's a whole different thing <laughs> that's a whole different thing, <laughs> <A> whole different <laughs> thing. And, and in the meantime it allows harry like dumbledore already knows that harry has like you know tremendous resolve having seen what he sees in the mirror and stuff like that but he is like i think it, he thinks it's probably good for harry to have a few practice sessions under the imperious curse yes heading into which then also pays off when Voldemort tries to cast it on him in the graveyard later in this very book and he just shakes him right off
1: yes yes so Harry's Harry's super capable in that regard Um, but then uh, so obviously at this point in time we get to the, the end of the saga and the Triwizard Cup has now been uh, turned into a portkey. Harry yep. is headed off to the graveyard where he has to face down Voldemort. Again, not something that Dumbledore ever intended to happen. However, uh, does come with one of the most essential pieces at this point in time, you know, where, where Dumbledore has now spent the last three years basically believing that Harry is going to have to die. Uh, we, we We basically learn, or Dumbledore learns that because voldemort took harry 's own blood back in his yeah. revival there's there 's the, the one line I was talking about earlier it 's the gleam of triumph that Harry thinks he witnesses in dumbledore 's eyes and, and that is that is the moment, and you have to get inside of dumbledore 's like headspace to just even begin to appreciate the importance of that moment to him because he is like, helping this kid. he is trying to teach them. He knows the mantle that has been placed upon his shoulders. He knows the difficulty of life that he's already had to face. Everything that he has been through and this moment in particular, he realizes harry gets to live right. harry gets to live he has and, a way out but i can't tell him that. right and it's like so it's like that's why it's like a flash and then it's gone moment and it's one of my it's one of my favorite moments of the whole story is just because it's like in that second he gets to have this tiny enormous moment of victory yes, but he doesn't he won't even get to see it play out.
0: He's not even going to see it play out. No, he will not. And He has a whole plan for how, how he's going to do it anyway. We can talk about that in a second, um, but that takes us to year five where if you don't think this is again, it's a great example of you can see Dumbledore's big plan in action better in the things he doesn't do yes i think in particular because for sure yeah because <clears throat> what happens in year five is that even though voldemort came back he's not like the main antagonist in this book somehow um because umbridge shows up which says a lot about her um but here's the thing the reason umbridge is a professor at all at hogwarts i believe is because of education decree 22 so whatever the first one is yeah that basically says that if the headmaster is unable to find a suitable candidate for defense against, for a position, then the ministry may appoint one. And it's like, okay, so apparently Dumbledore finally couldn't find a defense against the dark arts professor, so they had to get, so the ministry appoints Umbridge, which would be a totally viable explanation, except that the title of this book is called The Order of the Phoenix. Which is quite literally a small legion
1: of defense against <laughs> the dark arts oriented wizards, exactly. all of whom have committed
0: their lives lives to helping this exact cause. Two of whom were already hired for this exact position. Yes. Like Lupin and Moody are members of the order. So it's like the idea that Dumbledore couldn't find someone to teach this class is absolutely bonkers and bananas. Like he Absolutely can't. And you. And here's the thing. It's like you might think. Well, like, well, c- c- is uh, maybe they have more important things you know, It's like he's teaching the students. This all of the students, the seventh years, the sixth years, defense against the dark arts. Like the most important class in a world that Voldemort exists in. And he just chooses not to fill that role. He doesn't even have to ask for volunteers. Right. These are members of the order. He's the leader. He can just. Tell them that's their this assignment. is your job. This yeah. is how you will be serving the order. Right. Is by coming to the school and educating the students the best you can do. Like it, like so that he. So the fact that Dumbledore can't find a, is a teacher is just patently false because he has a whole group of people. Who could absolutely do it, and he chooses, he chooses not to fill the role, which means he wants the ministry to appoint someone. And because that's because the main thing he is trying to teach Harry this year is that you cannot trust the ministry. Like when it is down to you and Voldemort, it it is down to you. Yes. Like you cannot rely on them. They are corrupt. And like this, this is what you have to learn this year. And it's like, it's gonna suck. Maybe he didn't realize how much it was gonna be bad like maybe it didn't just made umbridge bad but like this is the lesson
1: yes and and i think that i think it's even teed up a fair bit at the end of goblet of fire just to just a like sort of inch just terribly close to the end of the of the book there where there's a big conversation between dumbledore and fudge that harry overhears all of but it's it's basically just fudge being like no I'm, i'm not going to Scare people into thinking that Voldemort's back. I'm, I'm not going to do it, and Dumbledore's like, y- you need to. Like, this is this is about to go down, and and if you don't, then bad things are going to happen. So, yeah, I think that I think that the inclusion of Umbridge is a massive representation as to what Harry needs to learn about the greater world that he lives in, because it is so easy for any of us to think that, like, you know, someone higher above me is capable of solving. Th- this greater threat to much. Right, like,
0: you, you can see from Dumbledore's point of view, because Dumbledore knows he won't be around at the end. Yes. At, well, maybe at this point he doesn't, but, like... Oh, yes, he hasn't yeah. put the ring on yet. He hasn't so. put the ring on yet, yeah. but, like, but he, he knows... If you're Harry, like, the desire to, like ask for help from someone greater like the government, yeah. you know, like that's going to be real tempting and it's like you cannot do that. You absolutely can't like you basically it, it will be down to you and you need to be able to trust your own instincts on it. Yes. Yeah. Yep,
1: exactly. And I think the other really case in point is in in my personal opinion is the fact that like apparently he can't find a defense against the dark arts professor, but then when Trelawney is sacked because Umbridge has assumed enough power to do that he is able to then bring in Forenzi immediately immediately despite the fact that this probably means exile for for him right you know by coming to teach this particular position so it's like that like dumbledore is willing to i mean i'm sure everybody owes dumbledore a favor in some capacity or people are just willing to help him because they believe in his overall cause yeah but like to me that says like if he was able to go to the centaurs who are typically at this point in the story not aligned you know with with like d- well, not, they're not really aligned with anybody they're right. just sort of like removing themselves, yeah. yeah from from the situation if if somebody from that populace is willing to come and help the cause then i have to believe that any other person that dumbledore had arthur weasley could have come and taught Defense, defense against, against the, the
0: dark arts, arts for yeah. Goodness sake.
1: yeah i mean like you know anybody could have done it so yeah no absolutely umbrage intentional allow Harry to see what's going on and go from there
0: exactly which brings us uh, to year six and this one is just super duper easy because it's like there's no hiding it anymore there's no it's like in the pat in the in the other books it's very much like how is dumbledore pulling the strings and instructing harry in ways that he can't even see and it's like this one the gloves are off like Dumbledore is taking the direction directly into his hands. Yes. Like, I don't have to tell you what Dumbledore's big plan is here. This is just what the book is. He's telling him directly how to defeat Voldemort and showing him... Basically that, like by learning about your enemy's past, you can uncover the secrets as to defeat him. something Voldemort absolutely does not do to his own demise over and over and over again, yes, because yes. he thinks he understands Harry, but uh doesn't like when he he think like the great example is like at the very end when Harry walks into the forest like. Voldemort thinks he's doing it out of, like, fear and selfishness. He cannot comprehend at all that Harry could possibly be doing this out of selflessness or at all that he's packing away to defeat him. Yes, (laughs) yes.
1: Exactly. Um, and and one of the big things is that, like, you know, and again, a central theme to the overall story is just love. You know, it's right. like it's one of the most important aspects. And Dumbledore does have a rather heated discussion with Harry where he's like, you can love. And Harry's like,
0: big deal. Right. You know, it's <laughs> like, but like, this is like one of those. It's things... like so second nature to him. Yes,
1: exactly. It's like Harry's like, I, I can breathe, too. What right. do you want
0: from me? Right,
1: right. It's like, this is not like I want. I want to believe that I have like an uncanny ability that that will help me in this fight and it's like that's not what it is it, it's it's so much more human than that which I do love about the story overall because it's something we're all capable of it's like Harry doesn't have a superpower he can do what we can all do which is an amazing thing um, but one of the things I think is kind of neat about Uh, when that particular discussion happens is that Harry goes to his office. He's having this big discussion. He's having like that, like big deal moment. Like I can love whatever. It's the very next chapter in the story when Harry and Ginny finally, where he, he goes back to the portrait hole. Uh, He doesn't know who won the Gryffindor, uh, yeah. Quidditch game and the door opens and there's celebrations everywhere and Ginny comes and runs into his arms and he has like his first moment with who will eventually go on to be his wife right you know it's <laughs> like
0: it's like yes you can love and like um yeah, he's I mean, like Dumbledore said right
1: yeah <laughs> um, yeah g- gave him permission I guess but uh, not not <clears throat> that I think that that Ginny loving Harry is part of Dumbledore's big plan but I do think the timing is is rather yeah, remarkable it's right
0: there he's like okay maybe I should give into this yes yes yeah, exactly. so there's that and then. Um, uh, that'll bring us into book seven. And this one's a really tricky one because obviously Dumbledore's dead. Yes. So it's like, what could his plan, what, what plans could he possibly still be enacting? Um, and at this point, we've talked about how in in book four, Dumbledore recognized that there was that like, oh, Harry has a way to live. Yes. He has a way to come back because now Voldemort will tether him to life as like the, the love crux or whatever. Yes. The problem Dumbledore is now facing, and this is just like reinforcing some of the other themes, is that... Harry is still going to have to be the one to finish off Voldemort, which means that, like, there's almost no way for the story to end without Harry becoming a murderer. So, yeah. like, how, how, what can Dumbledore do to stop purity Harry? Of purity
1: of soul again. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes. Because if he becomes a murderer, if he, even by killing Voldemort, it will rip Harry's soul. So, yeah. how, what can Dumbledore do to protect Harry's soul? from being ripped. Like, his body will live on. He's confident in that. But, like, what? how will he be protecting Harry's soul? And the plan he comes up with when you, like, peel it back, I think this is, we have to, like, piece it together a little bit and do some guesswork, but I think it makes such good sense. Yes. And so... I agree. When he's talking to Harry in King's Cross after Harry's died, he, or Harry confirms with Dumbledore that, like, he planned for Snape to kill him, and he therefore planned for Snape to become the master of the Elder Wand and Dumbledore confirms. Yes, that was my plan. Yes. However, in that same conversation, he reveals that he was certain that Voldemort was going to go after the Elder Wand,
1: which means that he basically thinks yeah. that Yeah. that he's almost certain that Voldemort will end up attempting to kill Snape.
0: Yes, which means he is like positive that Voldemort is going to try and kill Snape, like he basically sends him to death, whether or not he tells Snape that or not, which seems like, okay, so that's bad news, because it means that he thinks that Voldemort is going to get the wand, and that'll be bad. However, you, the the other piece of the puzzle is the sword of Gryffindor, which... The, uh, so our theory goes that Dumbledore's plan was for Snape to give Harry the sword, which he eventually does. He does. But that he... The portrait... Reminds him it must be taken under, like, you know, bravery or whatever. Yeah, conditions of, yeah. Conditions of valor. Yeah. Yeah. So the plan, we think, was that Snape was going to appear to Harry carrying the sword and apparently try to attack him. And from Harry's point of view, this is the guy who killed Dumbledore. And now he has the audacity to be trying to attack me with the sword of Gryffindor that Dumbledore left me in the will? Like, which was written before Dumbledore died. Obviously, like this is already the plan in motion. Yes. Harry was supposed to know the sword was going to come to him and now Snape's going to have it. Are you kidding me? So what Dumbledore is planning is for Harry to disarm Snape get the sword, and in doing so, also win the allegiance of the The Elder Wand in that moment. So that later on, when Voldemort kills Snape, it won't matter because Harry's already the master. And when they have their big duel, the Elder Wand will backfire because Harry's the master, and Voldemort will kill himself, and Harry's soul will remain intact. Yes, which is like it is so elegant. It is. when you think about it like that. Like, and that's that's basically what he planned because he wants Snape to give him the sword. He planned on Voldemort killing Snape to get the wand. Like it's all right there. Obviously, things go askew. They end up. Out exactly that way. Anyway, yeah, Um, (laughs) by by
1: by for some, yeah, they end up working out that way by a much more convoluted version of events. Yes, which is you know Harry's physical disarming of Draco Malfoy's other wand, which Then makes Harry master of all wands that Draco was ever the master of in the first place. Very silly. Um, yeah, we could go into we could go. I mean, I would make twelve episodes just about other wand. lore. So,
0: but that is uh, what our interpreted dumbledore's plan for book seven was for harry to be able to um survive his encounter with Voldemort without becoming a murderer himself because the wand would just backfire
1: yes yes so at the end of the day it's it's wild all of the different kinds of like social gameplay that dumbledore is having to go to in order to manipulate the set of events whether he's living or not in the hopes that people will behave in a way that is in keeping with their their behaviors or, or in particular Voldemort's behaviors right you know it's like it's like if he knows that he's going to you know go after the wand how do you how do you ensure this and it's it's even interesting as well because like you know there's there is the big conversation of like Hallows versus Horcruxes in the end and how you know Dumbledore had uh, you know kind of guiltily sought the the Hallows but that the one thing that he was um, permitted to do and it was was to take mastery of the Elder Wand not to use it but to sort of like tame it mm-hmm. um and and allow it to basically like exit with himself yeah you know in a way that would ultimately hopefully yield the the destruction of what is otherwise a rather dangerous artifact but the fact that that dumbledore even in death was still attempting to dictate the flow of the elder wand in the name of ultimate safety is pretty cool
0: it is pretty cool yeah um so um I don't know. There you go. That's that's Dumbledore's big plan in a nutshell. As we press onward, hopefully this was a fun little transition episode for you.
1: Yeah. No, it was yeah. really cool for me too. I mean, I feel like um, it has been. I think we started releasing Dumbledore's big plan back during the pandemic. Yes, we um, did. Yeah,
0: I remember writing it at home, and me and you would be on these long phone calls, yes, determining yeah. all the things that Dumbledore did. And
1: oh yeah. my gosh, yeah, my my white. I had a, I I bought a whiteboard for my, for my home for this show so that. While we were on those phone calls, I could literally be like, you'd be on speakerphone and I'd be like next to my computer and I'm like scribbling all over the board. and Yeah. You know, so, yeah,
0: you know, we weren't even in the same room writing it. I know. <laughs> so,
1: interestingly, this is probably the longest stretch of continuous conversation that wasn't recording the actual videos for Super Carlin Brothers where we've talked about Dumbledore's big plan from you're, start to finish. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like yeah. we, we never got to actually do this in person before. I know, yeah, and we pretty just, good. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, guys, yes, Dumbledore's big plan. You will definitely hear us continuously bring it up, as well as many other theories that we've written throughout the years as uh, we continue to work our way uh, through the rest of the books. And, and first and foremost, of course, will be uh, chapter number next, which is chapter one of Chamber of Secrets. That's
0: right. The, the worst birthday. birthday.
1: The worst birthday. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. I, I think that Chamber of Secrets is the book I have read the fewest times oh really i believe so all right well this yes. will be a very interesting read through i know I'm, I'm pretty excited and honestly i feel like when it comes to trivia like there is th- this is probably the one that i think i missed the most number of questions from specifically because i've read it the fewest times so i'm i'm like i'm like gearing up for it oh, I'm like, yeah. i got this let's go <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be good i'm gonna be so much more equipped for everything that ever happens in the future um which is going to be, yeah, it's going to be super great. So as ever, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And
0: uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you next time through the Gryffindor.
1: Today's episode was edited by Ethan Edgehill. Vaishan Brandon does our art. Catherine Stein is our production manager. And the show is hosted by me and Jonathan Carlin.